um, often conveys a matter of great spiritual gravity uh, and uh, is, is often reflective of intense theological perception. Uh, that's not the case this week. This is just uh, welcome to summer. You've got to give it up for whoever thought of this, right? And I assume if you take the valve out, it's going to draw air, right? You probably have to replace the ice pretty often. But, yeah, if I were that sort, I would want to try that. But if anybody does, invite me over. Um, so do you know anybody who is spiritual but not religious? You ever heard of that one? People who say that they're spiritual but not religious. I, I want to avoid going on a rant because it would be very easy for me to rant about this. I, when, I've, when I've done uh, outside weddings for people, I often will have... You find that amusing, Keith? <laughs> Thanks. Okay. <laughs> Keith, I didn't pay you to laugh at that part. Yeah. So I, I, I'm serious. I will have, I, I, you know, so I, I will do uh, weddings for people outside the church. They, you know, like you get like a Catholic and a Baptist, and I'm non-denominational, or I was, so I'm like neutral turf, you know, so neither, neither family wins. Uh, but, but I'll have the people who come, and, you know, of course, usually if they're coming to me, they don't have their own church that they're part of, and they'll come and they'll say, you know, well, you know, I'm spiritual, but, but not religious. So I want the service to be spiritual. And it's like they think that by saying, well, I'm spiritual, but not religious, I'm supposed to think, well, whew, I'm sure glad of that, because I was really worried that you were just, you know, hiring me to do a wedding. Um, but really, it's like there's like this almost conspiratorial tone, like, well, I'm, I'm spiritual. Like, we're all on the same page. It's just I completely reject, like, what you do. <laughs> I don't really believe in organized religion, you tell a priest, right? Now, I, I have to, okay, first of all, it, on its face, spiritual but not religious makes a lot of sense. Now, I, I, I um, first committed my life to Christ uh, when I got involved with a ministry called Young Life when I was in high school. And at Young Life, they, one of the first things they said to us is that, is that, uh, that, Following Jesus is about having a relationship. It's not about religion, right? So we're not about religion, we're about relationship. That made really good sense to me, in part because I had grown up religious, and that was not working for me at all. Now, the, the, it, you know, I don't know if it would have been different if I had grown up in a different religious environment. The one in particular that I was in, I found really had like no theological content um, but a whole lot of expectations for behavior. Um, so it was, it was not like, you know, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. It's like God is, is there, uh, but you need to behave yourself. And you especially need to be working uh, for nuclear disarmament and, um, and against uh, the, these corporations raping the third world. That's what's really important. And your tie needs to be straight and your collar needs to be straight. And you need to hold your hymnal properly, and you need to be polite to the old people. Some of this had to do with being a boy growing up, and boys just don't like having to hear that stuff anyway. But 
But some of it, I think, was this religious environment and, and you know, some, some very influential theologians. I think of Karl Barth, one of the most important theologians of the 20th century, talked about how religion can get in the way of our receiving what God is revealing to us. And ironically, religion can be the very thing that gets in the way of our having the kind of relationship with God that we're supposed to have. So there's something to this spiritual but not religious idea that makes sense. And I also want to point out that if I have to choose between somebody who's spiritual but not religious and somebody who's religious but not spiritual, I'll take the spiritual but not religious person every time, right? Because generally they're harmless, right? Like, seriously, they don't, they don't get together and, and take religious institutions and use them to oppress and abuse people, which religious but not spiritual people may try to pull off. Are we, are we dead here, Mark? Okay. But, but as, a, as a working philosophy, spiritual but not religious really doesn't work. I think spiritual but not religious is what people say when they want to excuse the fact that they don't like to go to church. I, I think about the guy I met, and this was years and years ago, who talked about his suspicion of institutional religion and his concerned that their money wasn't being spent well. He, of course, drove a nice car, and he spent his money uh, doing things with his mistress, but uh, did not himself give. But I think he thought of himself as spiritual, but not religious. Or this other person I, I knew a long time ago who would go to these meetings where he'd talk about the, the uh, importance of the church being involved in in a particular social cause, and whether it's left or right doesn't matter. It, it happens on both sides. And talked about the importance of this this cause and how people really needed to be committed and needed to be giving themselves to this cause, and how the church wasn't doing enough for this cause. And I actually asked him. I was like, "So how, do, how does this like how does this cash out for you in your life? Like, what does that mean for how you live? What does that mean for how you how you spend your money? What does that mean for?" Uh, the way that you spend your time. And really what come out, came out of it was mostly what it meant was he went to meetings and he would post stuff online about how important this was. But he wasn't actually giving any money to help meet these needs. He also wasn't giving any money when he came to church. And I left that meeting to my car that smelled lemony fresh because I had the back seat full of detergents that I was bringing over to the community crisis center the next day. A lot of times spiritual but not religious is just an excuse for not doing the things that maybe you ought to be doing. And part of the problem with spiritual but not religious is that it actually gets in the way of you genuinely being really spiritual in the sense of really being connected to God. And people who are spiritual but not religion, uh, spiritual but not religious, will say that they have a sense of the transcendent, or they feel like they have a sense of communion or oneness with the universe. When people who are spiritual but not religious tell me that, they they will use a lot of I statements. They'll say, "Well, I pray. I, I feel like I encounter God in a sunset, or." In, in a beautiful uh, view or in, a, in the face of a child. I really love that one. I'm like, how much time did you spend with that child? 
but it really ends up being about the self. Some of you may remember this book, Habits of the Heart, came out in the mid-80s. Some of you I know were like not able to read in the mid-80s, but humor me. This is a a book that five sociologists got together and they sort of did did a survey of of how, um, basically how Americans engage uh, is in, in community and, and in individual development. They, in the chapter about religion, there's a, a woman that they give the name of Sheila. And she named her religion, she called it her faith, after herself. Which, incidentally, suggests the logical possibility of over 220 million American religions, one for each of us. 1985, fewer people than today. Sheila Larson is a young nurse who has received a good deal of therapy and who describes her faith as Sheilaism. I believe in God, she said. I'm not a religious fanatic. I can't remember the last time I went to church, but my faith has carried me a long way. It's Sheilaism, just my own little voice. Sheila's faith has some tenets beyond belief in God, though not many. In defining my own Sheilaism, she said, It's just try to love yourself and be gentle with yourself. You know, I guess, take care of each other. I think he would want us to take care of each other. Like many others, Sheila would be willing to endorse few more specific injunctions. The reason I'm talking about the spiritual but not religious is not just because it's the sort of thing that a guy like me can have a good time ranting on It actually, I think, is a really helpful way of understanding a difficult word in our passage. If you flip to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter (laughs) 2, starting in verse 6. Thank you. I I really am not good at math. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. So if you get to 2 Corinthians, it's before that one. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting in verse 6. Paul says, we do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but it's not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that's been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it. If they had, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived, what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. See, the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We haven't received the Spirit of the world but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. And this is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths and spiritual words. See, the the person who is spiritual but not religious doesn't accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. They're, They're foolishness to him. He can't understand them because they are discerned by means of the Holy Spirit. The spiritual man makes judgments about all things, but he himself isn't subject to any man's judgment. For who has known 
the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him. But we have the mind of Christ. See, that word in verse 14, the NIV translates it, the man without the spirit. The, the Greek is psuchikos. It's basically somebody who is, um, who is just sort of just natural, who just has a sense of, of the, uh, the spiritual or transcendent that, that isn't connected at all to God. It simply is connected to just being human. Think about the, what's the NPR show? It used to be called Speaking of Faith. Now it's just on being. That would be this kind of thing. And it's a little challenging to, to translate that because elsewhere in Paul's writings, he talks about people who are carnal, who are fleshly. Uh, and he contrasts that with people who are following the Spirit. So, there's a sense in which when he talks about people who are fleshly, he's talking about people who are, who are pursuing the, the desires of, of, uh, of the, the flesh, of the body. Here it's, it's almost like he's talking about people who are following the desires of, of the mind or, or of the, the unregenerated soul, people who want to experience the transcendent, people who want to be spiritual but have absolutely no interest in engaging in that in a way that makes them accountable to anybody or anything. We can contrast this, of course, with a person who is connected to the Holy Spirit. Those of us who are connected to the Holy Spirit, and Paul says we have been given the Spirit. He lives within us. We're related to a person, not to a vague person force of nature, not to an idea, not to a concept, but we are related to a person who has, we say in the creed, we're going to say in a little bit, he has spoken through the prophets, not just through sunsets. We're in relationship with the person who is the spirit of the living God, who is the spirit of Christ, a person who has a history, He's got a history with all of creation, the very first few verses of Genesis. We find the Spirit hovering over this uncreated, unregulated form, all this stuff, and the Spirit of God is hovering over it. Jesus in John's Gospel, in chapter 14, this is his farewell discourse. This is Jesus' last extended time with his disciples before he's taken off. He says, if you love me, you will obey what I command. And I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. Now the world can't accept him. It neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you, and he'll be in you. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. And on that day, you'll realize that I am in my Father and you are in me. And I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he's the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father and I too will love him and show myself to him. It's kind of weird that Jesus, who's sitting right in front of them, says, I will show myself to him. Well, he's going to do that by the Spirit. 
the spirit that he's going to send. Later on in chapter 16, in verse 5, he says, Now I'm going to him who sent me. None of you says, where are you going? Because I've sent these, said these things, you're filled with grief. But I tell you the truth, it's good for you that I'm going away. Because if I don't go, then you're not going to get the Spirit. But, so unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he'll convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men don't believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. And I've said... I've got much more to say to you, more than you can bear. How am I going to say it to you? I say it by the Spirit. When the Spirit, when He comes, He'll guide you into all truth. He's not going to freelance. He's not going to make stuff up. He'll speak only what He hears, and He'll tell you what is yet to come. He'll bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. The Spirit of the one true God, the Holy One of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, this Spirit is the one who dwells within the person who is a follower of Christ. This Spirit is the one who teaches us who guides us. This is not natural insight. Jesus isn't saying, after I leave, you're going to find that you just really have a lot of perception. You just, you know, you look at situations and you just have great insight about what's going on. He doesn't say that at all. He says, no, I'm going to send the Spirit. And the Spirit is going to teach you. The Spirit is going to work within you. I love the metaphor Paul uses later on in, in Galatians when he says if, if we live by the Spirit, then, then let's, let's keep in step with the Spirit. To keep in step with the Spirit is, is kind of like, like dancing. I don't I mean, I, I don't dance. That's not why this is exciting. But the idea is that you're dancing to the beat of the Spirit. You know, people say he dances to the beat of a different drummer. Well, yeah. If we're keeping in step with the Spirit, then we are dancing to the tune He's playing. And so when Paul says that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God's prepared for those who love Him, but God has revealed it to us by His Spirit. When he says the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God... After all, who among men knows the inner thoughts of a person except that person's spirit within him? Well, in the same way, the only way you're going to get access to the mind of God is through His Spirit. We can't figure it out ourselves. So if you say you're spiritual but not religious, what you're saying is that you, by your own human natural efforts are going to try to figure out the mind of God. Which is absurd. Now that's not to say that the things we do that 
count as religion are necessarily things that are going to get us to a place where we can say, yes, I have the mind of Christ. Plenty of ways to abuse religion. There are plenty of ways to go through the motions. And I'm not saying religion is a panacea. But what I am saying is that the things we do when we come together and worship, when we open the Word and read it, when we pray, when we come together in community, when we speak truth to one another. These are ways that the Spirit works within us. The ways, and I love that song, the ways that our humble King connects to us. But if you want to know the mind of God, if you want to have the mind of Christ, spiritual but not religious, is not going to get you anywhere close. Most likely it's just going to make you feel good about not going to church. So now, as we do once a month or so at New Hope, we're going to take communion. I'll invite you to stand. We'll recite the creed together, which is part of the history of the Holy Spirit's dealing with His people over the last 2,000 years. Then after that, I'll invite you to come forward, take the elements, uh, and then come back to your seat. We're going to invite you to come up the center aisle and then go around the side and go back to your seat by way of this side aisle. Um, the uh, red is wine, the white is grape juice, the bread is unleavened. We also have gluten-free uh, crackers for those who need those. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshipped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.